0: And now, taking your calls on 49216216 for our sponsor, Sharp City Gardener, Merryweather and Georgetown. Two in your RFM's Gardening Talkback.
1: And when we hear that music, we know it can only be one thing and that is a big good afternoon to Scott Sharp in to discuss gardening with us today?
0: I don't actually like banjos.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is that a bit too hillbilly for you? It's a bit
0: deliverance isn't it? It's a bit hot.
1: (laughs) It is a little bit deliverance. (laughs) Uh, Good to have you along. Now we're looking at lettuce today of all things.
0: Yes they're crunchy, they're green, they've got lots of energy in them and there's a whole lot of different varieties that we can talk about. There is so
1: many now in the supermarkets. I don't know where to go to. The COS, the Iceberg, the Mixed Leaves, I'm confused, Spinach.
0: It used to be not like that, but there are so many different varieties now. Uh, Look, we're going to talk about some watering because it is hot, it is dry out there, but don't be afraid to turn on that tap and water. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll talk about that. Also, some little microscopic worms out in the garden. They're called nematodes. right. And we'll get to see if we can get those under control. We're going to give away some herbs as well.
1: Great. And we will be taking your calls on 49216216 for 2NURFM's Gardening Talkback. Kathy Kirby on 2NURFM, 16 past 12 as we do Gardening Talkback. And we are joined by Scott Sharp. Now, Scott, we are taking calls today on 49216216 and a great prize for one of our lucky listeners today. And I've got to say, one that could save you so much money if you do like to cook...
0: Yeah, look, we're going to give away a herb trough today. And in that herb trough, we've got basil, thyme, Oregano or oregano? What are you an oregano? I'm an oregano.
1: oregano. Yes. We yeah. should ask
0: people if they're oregano or the oregano. People. Yeah, it's yeah.
1: like the tomato. Tomato, yeah, isn't yeah.
0: it? Patio. Patio.
1: Yes, exactly. I say patio, and my brother thinks I'm the world's biggest boke. Yeah, I I, I, I would have yeah. thought
0: that was you know sort of quite, you know well, he nose th- up in the air. He thinks
1: I'm a bit of like a Cath Day night trying to be posh when I'm not. Ah,
0: yeah. I thought patio would be you know a mm. bit like that, but no. Mm. Okay, so yeah, we're going to give away that that. Herb, prop. yeah. Look, herbs are really expensive. I know we were doing some cooking the other night, and you had to go buy three or four things, and it. Oh, I just went, became outrageous after a while. So,
1: well, it does. My hubby likes to cook from scratch, and he made a beautiful pad Thai on Friday night. But honestly. So he came, I don't even know what they were, they were just green things, yeah. herbs, so many different varieties and I'm like, God, $3 for this one, $3 for that one, that's before you even get into the rest of the ingredients, and it's crazy. Sometimes
0: you only use a tiny little bit. So look, something like this is an ideal way to, I guess, save some money. Most nurseries also will do, uh, you know, like a, a three-for deal as well, you know, if you buy multiple punnets or herbs or stuff, you'll get a, a better deal. So look, it is a way to save money, I guess, but yeah, we're going to give away this, uh, this herb trough and uh, hopefully people will, um, yeah be able to cook their pad thai with a little bit less expense.
1: While we are on that track, you wanted to talk about lettuce today. <laughs> now, you know, initially you think, oh, okay, well, lettuce is lettuce, but not the case anymore. There's so many different varieties. Oh, there
0: are now, aren't there? I, you know, I'm, I'm confused. There's, But there's still the old-fashioned iceberg out there. Um, it... Um strangely enough though is the lowest in nutritional value and calories but most people like it because it looks good and it's really crunchy and firm well
1: it'll be it's mainly water isn't it it's It's not as the the vibrant green it's not as leafy no it's not but it's it's
0: still got that as you eat it and it stays nice on your sandwich strangely enough the one that is the most you know um high in vitamin c and other fiber and potassium and folates is the cos lettuce.
1: Ah, okay. Uh,
0: which you use in Caesar salads. Uh, look there's other different lettuces. Now there's all those little crinkly coral and oak leaf lettuces that people love eating. They just look good on the plate as well and uh, there's radicchio which is um, you know mostly used in um, I- you know in Italy and in European countries and it has that slightly bitter taste it's like you know it's a bit like a, a cross between an iceberg lettuce and a red cabbage but it really tastes nice you know any small amounts I guess are I'd they like.
1: easy to grow as well
0: yeah look all of these lettuce are quite easy to grow the main thing to do when when you're uh, growing them is not to use a fertilizer that's high in potassium because you don't want it to flower you don't want it to bolt the seed so you just need a nice nitrogen rich fertilizer when when you're doing that, uh, then they won't bolt the seed and flower and you'll be able to just keep on picking the leaves off them as you need them.
1: And once again, a great way to, to save money. Yeah. Obviously, lettuce is a staple food, yeah. uh, you know, for dinners, lunches. So a good way just to, to grow your own and um, save a little bit of the back pocket money as That's well.
0: That's right. Well, with lettuce, you can just peel the leaves off from the outside.
1: We've got Lola from Singleton on the phone. You've got an issue with cockroaches at the moment. Yes, I have. At night time, they eat my tomatoes.
2: Uh Oh,
0: I I have heard about this before, Lola. Uh, How are we going to solve that?
2: That's right. Now, I have got the the tomato bush is growing and it's very, very good and everything. And I can go out of a morning and I've got holes in me tomatoes now they are cockroaches there is cockroach dirt on a uh, the backing there's a little tank behind it and that so yes it is cockroaches and different ones of others people have told me that they find that cockroaches eat their tomatoes holes in them
1: oh hideous
0: that doesn't sound good look you you can spray for cockroaches you just have to go to your local garden center and get a specific ant, spider, cockroach spray. Uh, you probably wouldn't spray that all over the plant. You might spray that in the in the general area. But the trouble with that is when you go in water, it's just going to wash away. That's right. Straight away. The only other natural way that just off the top of my mind I can think about that you're going to um, try and keep them away is by mixing up a chilli and garlic. Uh, mix, you get some chilli, you get some garlic, you stick it in the blender, add some water to it. And just churn it all up until you get it into a spray or something you can put into the watering can and just water all over the plant. Right. Um, so look right. that that might be able to that might keep them away. Apart from the spraying, it um, you'll make nice um, bruschetta anyway if you put in the chili <laughs> and right. garlic on there straight away onto the tomatoes. <laughs> That's right.
2: Let it get into the tomato. Yeah. It's a... but, but no, as it is, the tomatoes—they just, you know, you can't don't like the look off of them once they've got a big hole in them, do you? No, no,
0: and, uh, no I, I don't and, want
1: to share with uh, Mr. Cockroach. I, I
0: knew you were going to say something yes. about spiders and cockroaches, then, Sarah. You wouldn't want them crawling all over. No, no.
1: disgusting. No, <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: okay. I haven't. You can't see them of a the daytime or anything, and the soil. I haven't noticed them there, but I do notice that I have orchids growing, and. The uh, dendrobiums that I've got, they have got that uh, bark, you know, the timber in them. And when you tip them up, they've got cockroaches in that.
0: So, Lola, obviously they're they're breeding in that. And if I'd use that spray, the pesticide around that area to keep them under control and that chilli and garlic mix-up that we talked about. Chili
2: and garlic sounds better because I have sprayed them with, with like, packet-type spray, not... Mortines teens type one but it is the same sort of a thing to do with cockroaches but as you say i didn't like spraying the fruit so, so much as around
0: the surround okay so lola if you don't use those um, packet sprays uh, like you know Mortine or something like that because it will actually burn the plant
1: good luck to you lola and we're going to uh, chat to ron in just a minute from arcadia vale and taking more of your calls on 49216 216 on 2nurfm Naked eyes, always something there to remind me as we do 2NURFM's Gardening Talkback thanks to our sponsors, Sharp City Gardener, Meriwether in Georgetown. And
0: we've got on the line Ron from Arcadia Vale. Ron, how can we help you?
3: Um,
1: yes, thanks.
3: I, I, uh, when I was working, I used some really bad sprays and ma- well, majority of them are no longer on the market. Yep. Uh, so now I've got a big garden in Arcadia Vale and I grow a lot of ve- uh, vegetables and a lot of other different types of uh, Teresa shrubs too. But um, with it, because it's all organic, I when you talked about nematodes, I was wondering how you feel about using uh, molasses watering in molasses
0: for your nematodes yeah well look we haven't quite spoken about nematodes yet so we might just fill people in um for a second ron about what nematodes are and nematodes are uh and it's the one that we get uh, mostly in summer it's the root knot nematode uh they're actually tiny little worms little microscopic worms that live in the soil because soil is full of all sorts of different things crawling around here uh, around in there and we've got these little things, nematodes, earworms, some people call them. They go in and uh, they start to feed on uh, and attack the root system of plants. And what happens then is that the root system sort of, it forms a little callus, a little like little bump on its root system. A little and,
1: notch or something. Yeah,
0: and, and then once it gets hot in summer, then the root system's not working to capacity. It can't suck in the moisture that it needs. So the way people often find out about nematodes in the soil is the first thing they see is that their tomatoes, for instance, are wilting. Uh, you know, all their, um, uh, cucumbers or, you know, um, potatoes and things like that, because that's what they mostly get on those sort of plants. And they see that sort of wilting, and that's when they all of a sudden realize that they've got nematodes in the soil. And in the old days, and so you pull a plant out and you go, oh, what are all these little nodules all over the roots of this plant? And they nematodes. In the old days, there used to be, like Ron was just saying, some really bad chemicals. One was called Nemecure. <laughs> and you'd sprinkle <laughs> that into the soil, it'd glow green for a couple of hours. Oh, like, God. No, I don't know. <laughs> It was pretty bad. And it would get rid of all those little microscopic organisms in the ground, which isn't a good thing because it's like, you know, napalm, I guess. It's just sort of blanket Mm. getting rid of everything. Killing everything,
1: yeah. In fact,
0: there's good things in there that need to be um, looked after. Uh, So, look, now we don't have... um, you know, really a way of getting rid of nematodes in the soil. Uh, The best thing to do is, um, again, like Ron was saying, is to try and have a really good, rich organic soil, have uh, manures and mulches in there, because then you have the nematodes, but you also have the little other little things that attack the nematodes and keep them under control. Uh, You can practice uh, crop rotation, so you just get your crops and move them into a different area each year so that they're not going to... uh, Uh, not going to become prevalent in one particular area and if you do find nematodes on your plants don't sort of dig those back into the soil pull them out stick them into a plastic bag get them in the garbage and get them away and out of the area that's the only way you'll try and keep it under control another way i've heard about is to get uh, mustard seed and uh, grow that into the area and then just let it die down and dig that back in as a green manure and it actually releases that you know that mustardy taste that we get, and that helps keep the, the uh, nematodes away. Now, Ron, what what was your suggestion? Your suggestion is to molasses. Um, I had
3: read somewhere. I have got a lot of literature on gardening, and I heard about uh, two different alternatives. One was molasses, water molasses, and the other one was uh, French marigolds.
0: Uh, look, I, I think that both of those methods would help. Uh, I haven't heard about the molasses one myself. I, I'm just trying to think why that why that would make a difference. I can see why the, the marigolds would make a difference. That's the companion planting idea that you stick in those plants into the soil. They release you know certain things that uh, keep them under control. And I think that's the idea of the mustard seed as well, that it uh, releases certain chemicals back into the soil that the nematodes don't like. It may be, Ron, that molasses has, uh, you know, some sort of uh, chemical that the the nematodes don't like, so that could be a way of getting rid of them as well, yeah. Thank you for that.
3: Um, And and just one other... I won't hold you, but one other question. You talked about lettuce bolting. Could you give me an idea how you can stop beetroot from bolting?
0: Oh, look, again, I would not be using uh, fertilisers that are high in potassium. Uh, So you're just using nitrogen-rich fertilisers. So, for instance, with beetroot, uh, you want the roots to be very healthy on that because that's where the the crop is. I would probably just be almost using sea salt or, you know, predominantly using sea salt. I have got
3: some,
0: yes. So I predominantly use sea salt on those sort of root crops and stick away from the high potassium uh, fertilisers that you might be able to get.
1: Thanks, oh, Ron. Good. Some really good suggestions there. It's a
0: bit long-winded, but we got there.
1: Yeah, no, I thought, <laughs> thought it <laughs> was quite interesting. Thank,
3: yeah, oh. I re- really enjoy your program, and thanks very much. Oh, thank you, Ron.
1: Here, I am thinking an nematode is some sort of fungal infection you get on your foot. Oh. So, you know, I've found this quite quite uh, hey, educational.
0: I keep my shower clean. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we are taking your calls for 2NURFM's Gardening Talk back on 49216216. Norella, you there? Yeah. Here she is. You've got a, an issue with your cockroaches.
2: Yeah. I had the same problem with the lady that talked before with the
4: tomatoes. So I put a cockroach bait on the base of the tomatoes and
5: it helped
0: teach. Look, that's that's probably another good way to use it. You can go and get those from your supermarket, you know, those cockroach baits where they, they go into and they eat away and um, and off they go and die. So, yeah, I think if you... Employ a whole lot of different uh, methods, like the lady before uh, Lola. She had uh, pine bark around her orchids, and obviously the the cockroaches are going to love living in under there. So try and get rid of anything that you know where the cockroaches might live. Um, maybe try the chili and garlic spray, like I suggested. And now, to come up with just get the cockroach bait from the supermarket and put it in there. Why not?
1: So we just put it actually around the the plant. Is that yeah, what we're saying? Yeah, just put it, it at the base of the plant, and a spray um cockroach spray. You
4: know, roach spray just around the tin where I've got my plants,
0: the plant is in the tin, and it's will help Yeah, I, I, I probably wouldn't use the, the cockroach spray necessarily yeah, because that, yes. yeah that's going to eventually go down to the soil and build up. But I think the idea of the bait, because it's not going to leach into the soil or anything, is going to be quite safe to use. Nothing else is going to go in there and eat it, so why not give that a try?
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right, Narelle, thank you very much. That was just that one, just a suggestion you don't have a question for Scott? No, no, that's okay, all just... Tell them now about the the tomatoes and the cockroach, bait. Oh, well, thank you very much. That is a good one. We'll go to Michael then from Adamstown Heights. And, Michael, what's your question today for Scott?
5: Hi there, Scott. Um, I've uh, invested in uh, several uh, rotary composters. I've got one with mixed material in it, another one with grass, just grass in it, and another one with just prunings in it. I'm just wondering, is that the right way to be doing it? And the other thing I was going to ask, do
0: you know anything about Bokashi and worm farms? I know a little bit about worm farms. Mostly Mm -hmm. what I know about worm farms is that the stuff that comes out of them is really good and makes the plants grow quite well. Uh, So, look, that's about all I know about worm farms. I've never really, I've only ever seen them at work um, where we've had one on a test case and we were getting the juice out of that. And we were uh, we had some other test plants that we were giving, just normal water, normal fertiliser, and one we were giving the castings to. It just bolted ahead like you couldn't imagine. I was just ah. blown away by how good the worm castings were using it. Wow. Uh, making up that, that liquidy mixture and pouring it on the plants. So they just went crazy. Uh, I think it was a great idea. Now, as for your composting, I think you're probably uh, best not... <laughs> Are you adding anything into that, Michael? Are you getting some oh. other organic matter in there, some lime in there to try and break it down? Or?
5: I've put some blood and bone in, and I put some bokashi. Um, it's like a, I suppose it's almost like a grain yes. type of material.
0: We often get people coming into work who just want to buy uh, almost about like a bag of potting mix, um, but they want to get an organic potting mix because they want to know that all those all those good little things, like even the nematodes that we were talking about before, yeah. are in there in the soil, and that's what starts to br- help break the the, uh, the compost down. Uh, so with your grass clippings, I think that that's very difficult to break down just by itself like that. You need to have something else in, into that. Um, you probably even mix some of the prunings back into it.
5: 'Cause I did I read on the internet that um, in one of those rotary thingos yes. that grass clippings all all break down in ten to ten days to two weeks and I just I I'm sort of a bit confused. I've been doing a fair bit of reading and um, you know they say well you should mix what you put in yeah. um but I'm kind of reading contrasting um, information. I just wondered if you sort of we're an expert on what you should actually do
0: in my experience with the grass clippings they they are one of the hardest things to break down i think you should mix those up with something else uh and definitely get some sort of other organic matter in there to try and help that process along
5: Yeah. and the other thing that's got me a bit curious mm-hmm. is with a rotary um, object yes you've got the stuff detached from the the ground but it's sort of says in, with composting you should be getting the worms and stuff like that working in it. I'm just wondering how that happens when the, the material isn't actually touching the ground.
0: Well, I, I, that's, why you, that's why you have to add something into it to start that process happening. Uh, e- even when, not, when you've got a compost bin that's still sitting on the ground, it's not necessarily that the worms come up from the bottom, but you add the worms into the top and you add that other organic matter into it to start that, that heat and that, 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 that movement around in the... Uh, in the material that you've got in there so look i i wouldn't be concerned that you got the rotary ones are fantastic because you can just turn them over and you yes. get that that movement around uh but look definitely uh, go and get some organic matter to get in there and get that process happening for you and
5: what about bokashi? do you know
0: anything about that look i'm so i'm sorry i don't michael
1: Oh, Thanks for your call, Michael. When I was a, a little girl, Scott, I actually um, had a worm farm and my dad used some of the worms to go fishing and I was—I oh. started crying. Oh, I was devastated did when I found little, out. Did
0: they have little names or anything like that?
1: Don't put it past me. <laughs> <laughs> I had Rup- Rupetta. The, the chicken. I don't think I went as far as to name the worms, worms. but um, yeah, no, I was absolutely yeah. devastated. They but, were my worms and he used them to go fishing. Would well,
0: it be hard to pick the, the difference between the boy and the girl worms? Yeah, because, it was. Yeah, it's not yeah because they're
1: hermaphrodites. <laughs> yes. I remember that. Uh, now we've got Roz on the line from Rutherford. And Roz, you've got a question about rhubarb. Yes. Um, I want to know what to feed it, I, uh I know
4: uh, potash for fruit and flour. Yes. And I've been putting banana skins under. Yes. But it made it wilt. So I dug them up.
0: Yeah.
4: And under my um, chameleon rose, and it's going hell for leather. Yes. (laughs) Um, But I want to know if uh, just a release
0: fertiliser for rhubarb. Look, I, I think that would be fine. I Again, for something like that where you only want it to be a nice, leafy, stalky vegetable that yes. grows, you don't want anything else happening to it, make sure that the fertiliser that you get is nitrogen-rich. So the best yes. thing to do is to go to your local garden centre and just ask... Oh, I think you got some. Oh, OK. Well, go out, dear, yeah, have a have a good look and yes. see, see what you've got and just make sure yes. that it's high in nitrogen. Yes. You don't want something... Yes.
4: Yeah, well, I was amazed that the banana skin um, made it well because I know I'd only put a little bit in um, to try it, but mm -hmm. it made it well. Yeah, that's... No, that's
0: really unusual because putting a, putting a banana skin in is one of the safest uh, sort of fertilizers that you can use. People often do that in stag horns and elk horns and, and native um, orchids and things like that because it is a nice, safe fertilizer. Uh, look at, sorry, go ahead. I, I do that with my um, chameleon rose. and
5: It's twice as tall this year and
4: it's got four times as many buds on it and flowers on it
0: than in the hand. Yes, excellent. Because the the banana skin has got a lot of potassium in it, so it's always and good.
3: The <laughs> it,
0: It's always good to hear about these sort of natural, uh, you know, fertilisers yeah, you go definitely. out and use in the garden. Uh, you know, I can't see
4: the point of buying the potash when I eat bananas and pears and yep. can use them. <laughs> True.
1: <laughs> you, not everyone might be as healthy as you, Roz. No. They might not have the banana no, peels at no, home, but
4: you know. You know, when you were talking about the um, chilli and...
0: Garlic, garlic. stuff
4: My grandfather, and he's been gone for years, um, he used to make up his own garlic, chilli...
0: Yes.
4: ..and
1: soap uh,
0: and more... Okay. Okay, so so
1: gets
0: it to clean. Uh, yes, that's another thing to do. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Oh, good tips there. Thanks for the call, Roz. And we're taking yours on four nine two one six two one six. We are doing gardening talk back. Thanks to our sponsor, Sharp City Gardener, Merryweather and Georgetown. Now, Scott, before we get to one o'clock, we need to discuss watering because I'm a defeatist when it comes to the lawn and weather like this. I go, oh, it's so hot. There's no point. I better not water. That's not the case, though, is it? No,
0: look, it's not the case. It, it is hot out there. It is dry. I was having a bit of a digger. Around planting some herbs uh, yesterday afternoon in the garden. it was like dust out there, but you can still water. I think it, an old wife's tale has sort of started to generate in the last few years, especially since that last drought that we had that you know you shouldn't go out and water in the middle of the day. and
1: I always was told that it can burn the grass. <laughs> is that not true? I don't
0: think that's true. <laughs> Fair enough. I wouldn't be going out and turning on your sprinkler system in the middle of the day and just having it chug, chug, chug around and all that water. It is. It's just evaporating into the air. But if you've got plants out there that are stressed, if you've got grass out there that's stressed, uh, you go out there with a hose and you do very direct watering around the root system of that plant. And that is going to, uh, you know, the plant's going to sit up straight away. It's going to be much happier. So
1: early morning, evening...
0: Fantastic. You can use your sprinkler systems then. There's not going to be the evaporation. It also gives the plant the oomph to get into the middle of the day. But if it is in the middle of the day and it's 40 degrees, the winds are blowing, you're hot and thirsty, you know, the dog's hot and thirsty. Well, the plants are going to be hot and thirsty as well. And if you don't do something about it, those plants are going to wilt. They're going to start to go into meltdown. The cells are going to start to die. They, they will, they'll, they'll, they'll just, you know, they'll go away on you.
1: So be proactive and actually go out there in the middle of the day with and the watering water, can. Yeah,
0: but water down around the root system yep. of the plant. So okay. not all over the plant, because then you, you may possibly get burned, but if it's going onto the ground, soaking in, it's going to help it through the day, yeah. through that hot afternoon.
1: Why Good not? advice, yeah. absolutely. Taking more of your calls next, we do have a free line on 49216216. <music> You, tin, tin, toast, and marmalade for tea on Two and You ten to one. As we talk gardening, talk back with Scott Sharp, and we have Jan on the line. Hello, Jan from Macquarie Hills. You need Scott's help in identifying a tree. Yes, please.
0: Go ahead, Jan. Um, there's a tree
1: that's in flower now. It's it's got a yellow
5: flower on it, and it's got a perfume, and it hangs down like a wisteria tree. Somebody
0: said it was a golden train tree, they said, but I've never
5: heard of that. Yeah, it's a, a golden rain tree. No, they said not rain,
0: it's train or something. No, <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely a golden rain tree. Oh,
5: is
0: it? Yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, is it uh, noria? But we won't go into that. If you look up golden rain tree, you should be able to find that. that well, plant.
2: somebody said Cassia.
5: Cassia fistula, or something—it's got on the thing.
0: Yes, and there there is another tree that looks very similar to that as well. So there's the golden rain tree and the cassia. So I would—it's going to be one of those that's out at the moment.
5: And what's the um, root system like? Are they, you know, very vigorous? Well, it
0: gets into a fairly large tree. So yes. my, look, my advice to people when they're putting in a tree is. If you put in a big tree, it's probably going to have a fairly big root system in underneath it. So a tree like that, you're not going to put, you know, very close to your house. Uh, you know, you'd want it between, you know, eight to ten meters away from your house at least, right, and keep yeah. it and keep it away from pipes. Uh, so yeah, look, uh, my, that's always my rule of thumb that a big trees, you know, it's going to have a, a root system sort of equal in under the ground to keep that tree upright when it's blowing around. In oh the room, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So they said it. Grows fairly tall. Up to I seven metres, I believe. Yeah. Yes, it yeah. mm. <laughs>
3: so It oh, doesn't to <laughs> go down that far. <laughs> no,
0: look, uh, they don't necessarily go down seven metres, but a plant that big will have a large root system. Right, so, right, yeah, yeah right so of you then. That's all right. Thank you yeah, for that, Jan. Thank
1: you, thank you. So, Bye. what's the proper name for it, do you know, oh, Scott? Come <laughs> on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> it I, starts with a K. Co- I did
0: say that. Yeah, well, I said yes. colchinaria, didn't yeah. I? I did, yeah. But yeah,
1: pinnaculata. Uh,
0: but, but I was being deliberately <laughs> vague about that because <laughs> a long time ago when I studied Latin, I failed. So Fair
1: enough. <laughs> yes. Yep, yeah, fair enough. That was an interesting question. I did say colchinaria. You did, you did yeah. really well. When I heard yellow tree, I thought, oh, it's a wattle tree. Uh, nope. Not quite. But Jan
0: was convinced that it was like the 3801. It was a golden train. Oh, entry. that was yeah.
1: fantastic. <laughs> uh, and we've got Rosie from Colette on the phone. Hello, Rosie. Oh, hi. What's I your question?
0: Got... How can we help you, Rosie?
1: Um, I've got a gloxinia.
0: Yes. An
2: indoor plant. Yes. And I've had it for a number of years and it just keeps coming up. It's the most beautiful thing. But um, I put some cow in the soil to before the season... And the leaves all went um, dead, sort of. Like they stayed stiff and upright. Yes. But they just drained of colour. They became a rusty colour. Yep. And there's no caterpillar or. So what you've
0: what you've done, Rosie? If it's you said it's an indoor plant, so it's yep. it's in, inside. Uh, it's probably in a pot, I would guess. Yes. Yep. So what you've done, unfortunately, by using that cow manure, is you've fried your poor old gloxinia from the inside out.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh no. So this you've is given it the electric chair. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: isn't that horrible? But you can't. You you have to be careful about using fertilisers like. that uh, You can't can't use heavy um, fertilisers like manures in pot plants because the uh-huh. root systems contained the pots contained it's going to burn it. You're literally sort of going oh, up from the inside and just frying it from the inside out. And if you'd watched it... I can't it, say if it's got... Look, you probably can't... I would just cut it back, continue watering it, scrape any of that cow manure away that you might still have on the surface of the pot and then just I try haven't. and leach that through and see what happens. And the
2: other thing is, when do I prune my mango...
0: Yeah, look, you prune your mango, uh, not right now because you've still got plenty of fruit on it. No,
2: it's finished
0: fruiting. Oh, it has finished fruiting. Oh, the one down yes? the road from us is still full Someone of fruit.
2: Someone came it's... and stole it all. Oh, well,
1: <gasps>
0: oh. That's a way to forget it finishing fruiting. The one down the road from yeah. us is dropping its mangoes on people's cars at the moment. Oh. Wow. Yeah, so, uh, look, usually you they're do... They're
1: so expensive at the moment, so... Yeah, they're luscious oh. and homegrown. They're gorgeous.
0: So, <laughs> usually you do the mangrove or any um, fruiting plant once it's finished flowering and fruiting, then you can go in and give it a prune. The only thing I'd say about mangoes is that if you give it a prune now... Uh, any new growth might, you know, it'll start to come back once it's cold in winter and then it could burn off. So often when I'm doing mangoes, I will wait until, you know, like late July, very late July, oh, almost right almost when it's August, and then give them a prune back then because any new growth that comes on then won't um, be burnt by those cold winter winds and uh, nights where's, that we get. We get beauties in the uh,
2: westerlies in the uh, autumn
0: yeah. So look, oh,
2: I, I,
1: after winter.
0: Yeah. So look, I would probably wait until that lay, very late July, August period, so oh, that any only. any new growth that comes on then is going to be nice and safe from the cold weather.
1: Thank you, Rosie, and we might go to Liz from Ashtonfield now. Liz, you've got more suggestions. This is a popular one for how to deal <laughs> with cockroaches.
4: Well, I'm not sure if it will help, but yes. um, what I've been doing is putting, getting an old pair of stockings, cutting, tying at the base, and then actually applying it over the fruit, tying it to the top, which has stops snails, birds, um, anything else that normally attacks our tomatoes so you don't have to put insecticide all over them.
5: Yeah.
4: I've done it also with my grapes this year, as I was telling you, a little receptionist, and um, I've had a full crop. It stops the birds from attacking the fruit. Um, I've done it on my cucumbers because we were having trouble with snails and something coming up and having a little munch, having a salad overnight. Um, by putting these old stockings over the... The
1: hose, They've come Petihose. to the party and helped <laughs> help the situation. <laughs> well, you just go and...
4: I oh, know a lot of us don't wear them anymore. <laughs> but, yeah, just, you know, a cheapy pair from the cheapy shop, cut them, and then you can recycle them. So as you pick your fruit, you take that stocking off... Wash it and put it away
0: for next year for next year's crop. That, look that's a great idea, Liz. And the other reason why that works is because it still allows the uh, the fruit in there to breathe. And yeah, it's still allowing And it
4: still gets the natural elements and, and even sunlight. if it's the green fruit, yes. it still has time to expand because of the expansion of the nylon in the stocking. Yes. Isn't
0: that and great. the sunlight's still getting in there, allowing the you know, all those natural juices and sugars in the side of the tomatoes, for instance, to ferment. That's why you get that lovely taste. And ah, you right. don't get that lovely taste with the supermarket ones. No. They're not. They're not on the vine for long enough to be no. out there. Well, we've
4: got cross lizzies, and we usually have problems. We do the pineapple water um, solution on the, over the other past years. This year, we tried with the grapes. Well, I've had two years successful with the grapes with the stockings. So this year, we decided we tried on our tomatoes, and we've had success. We haven't had to spray insecticide or anything like that.
1: That's a uh, very clever suggestion, and you're not reusing the pantyhose. You are definitely <laughs> buying them for the bushes. Oh. <laughs> that's that's right. You are getting them for the bushes, not not recycling. Yeah. Oh no,
4: re- <laughs> recycle for the garden. <laughs>
1: but I mean, even just different little
4: flowers. Even I don't know how that would work. But I'm just sort of suggesting maybe that might stop the cockroaches actually climbing yeah. onto the fruit and oh, having a nibble. But...
1: Yeah. Absolutely. It
4: stops the birds from eating our tomatoes, so if it stops birdies from coming in and having a munch, it might stop the old
0: cockroaches as well. Okay, now, Liz, just very quickly before we go, why do you use the pineapple and water spray that you mentioned?
4: Um, Well, that's been... I'm listening to this show probably for God knows how long, but there was somebody, I'm going approximately four years, that actually suggested that, and it has to be golden pineapple. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the golden circle pineapple, not just your cheapo. Yep. Oh. Um, and it's 40 to 60%, so 40% of your pineapple to 60% um, of your water. Put it in a squirt bottle and sprayed it over the fruit, and that's actually stopped, made it sticky, and it stops the fruit fly from actually penetrating the fruit.
0: Excellent. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for that, Liz.
1: And we may go to one last call. We've got Gainer in East Maitland, and your passion fruit has no flowers.
3: No, none at all.
0: Ah, okay. Now, is it a grafted passion fruit gainer?
3: Oh, yes. I assume so. Okay. Can you...
4: I, I, I bought it. Yes, I bought it. It's not the Norfolk Island passion fruit. Okay, it's the so other one, it might it's be
0: the one nelly... with the larger leaf. Yes, yeah, so it's a Nelly Kelly with a larger leaf. Uh, yes. Has it still got those big, large, glossy leaves, or are they a little a smaller? Yes, no, growing? no. It's
4: definitely not the um, the shooters or the whatever they are. Excellent. No, okay. it's, it's prop. No, it's a proper plant, and it's very lush. And it's, it's quite enormous. It's about 10 metres long.
0: Right. So what's probably happening is it's, it's uh, getting too much uh, nitrogen in the soil and it, so it needs some potassium. So you need to use... Well, I
4: have given it potassium.
0: Yes, but... Uh... I looked
4: it up on the internet, and it, good, but good. it didn't mention it mentioned all sorts of things but not <laughs> no flowers.
0: That look, at potassium increases the flowering of the plant. It increases the strength of the flowering of the plant, and also the fruit. It's not just a one-off application, though. It's something you have to build up in the soil. So it sounds like your soil might be very rich in nitrogen. You might have been spreading um, grass uh, clippings or something there over time, or right it could have been. Yeah. The, don't use poultry manure. Use cow no, no. manure. And go and use that potassium. So it's going to be something you have to build up over time. But how often would I put that on? Uh, Look, just do it. It depends, but do it by the instructions on the uh, packaging. And usually you can do it every couple of weeks or so, just until you build it up in the soil. Okay, I'll try that. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Thanks,
1: Thank you, Gina. Look, Bye. it's uh, almost time for us to say goodbye for Gardening Talkback, but before we go, we do need to give away the mixed herb uh, tray, trough. Yeah, yes. the trough, trough which yeah. was, was a prize. With so who are you thinking? Why don't we got? give it
0: to Ron? Uh, because he had a fantastic idea about the nematodes and the molasses.
1: Okay. Yeah, he's
0: out at Arcadia Vale.
1: Good on you, Ron. So you can pop into Sharp's City Gardener and collect that prize. No doubt a very happy man. All right, Scott, thank you again for today. You'll be popping in again next Next week. week, You'll have more topics and, of course, we'll answer more questions. It's the local news now on 2NURFM.
3: 2NURFM News.